It's the next level. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying? You know, violently. I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. language intended for adult audiences. Viewer discretion advised. We interrupt your regularly scheduled ship posting about Area 51 and the consuming of Tide Pods to bring you this special farce cast. Live from beyond the reaches of space and time at Studio Zero, the Next Level Network production of what lurks behind Podcast Zero? And I am your host, Postmortem Paul. Aha, but trust me, I don't smell like rigor mortis. I use only the best in men's deodorant, Cold Spice, the deodorant strong enough to hide any lingering effect a dead body could leave behind. And on that note, speaking of dead bodies... <laughs> basically what this podcast is sometimes but no um hey welcome back everyone i know i know took me an extra week to record this and release it i'll explain the issue with that in a bit but uh hey welcome back everyone it's episode 49 this is a listener request listener request from uh listener uh, aaron lucier she requested the man who fell to earth from 1976 Starring David Bowie and his penis. Uh, more on that later. But yes, so episode 49. Uh, actually, it's kind of cool, in a way, that um, it took me an extra week to record this because this past weekend was the San Diego Comic-Con SDCC 2019. Uh, we got... Um, there was some cool shit that got announced, actually. I was... Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't expecting to care much about San Diego Comic-Con this year. And there were some things that got announced, and I was like, oh, shit, really? Um, okay, so I'm going to do this. I, I kind of want to keep these intros, like, you know, a little bit quicker and whatnot. Not babble so much. But hey, um, so I got a few uh, points I just wanted to talk about quickly. Uh, so I believe it was the Friday of San Diego Comic-Con. We got an announcement about some sequels. Sequels for the 2018 film Halloween, which is technically Halloween 2 because it follows after the original Halloween, but it was called Halloween and not Halloween 2. So I'm assuming these next two sequels are technically Halloween 3 and 4, even though they technically didn't say they're Halloween 3 and 4, but they don't follow after the Rob Zombie timelines of movies. And Yeah, I know. Halloween, it's it's a franchise that can be fucking confusing at times. Anyways, so October 16th in 2020, we're getting a new movie, uh, a sequel to the 2018 Halloween film called Halloween Kills. And the following year, October 15th in 2021, we will be getting a movie called Halloween Ends. And I know I saw comments on the internet. I might actually kind of agree with this a little bit, but we're there's people that are kind of hoping that Halloween Ends means that it's finally going to fucking end. Uh, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I love Michael Myers movies. But I was... I was one of those people that when Halloween 3 Season of the Witch came out and we got a different story, I was like, this is a cool idea. And 
then it didn't float with a lot of people and ended up all of a sudden we had Return of Michael Myers in part four, which again, I wasn't opposed to, but I was kind of like, I feel like we just wasted something. And I was way back when, like I, I, I'm, I like sequels, but I don't, it's like, I like remakes, but I don't, um, I'm kind of confusing like that. No, it really depends on the, the property really. But with Halloween, and I mean, as an adult, even like growing up throughout the years, Halloween 3 was something that, uh, Season of the Witch I'm talking about, was something that I appreciated more and more as I got older because it was like, there really was something here and we fucked this up. But at the same time, the Michael Myers stories have been fun to pick on, uh, fun to watch. I mean, it's stupid turn your brain off and just watch... A serial killer kill people. I mean, honestly, it's like Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. There's, yeah, the movies are kind of stupid, but that's the point of them. Just have fun with it and whatever. Anyways, getting to these two uh, sequels that have been announced. Laurie Strode apparently is going to be in both of them, as is Michael Myers. Duh. (laughs) Um, I believe John Carpenter is behind on both of them, like, like he's backing them, and I've I'm assuming he's probably going to do the music with his son, uh, as he did with this last one. Uh, am I excited about it? Eh, I guess we'll see. I was more excited about what followed when we got a trailer um, for Creepshow, the Shudder series, the Shudder exclusive series that's coming out. I believe September 26th was the date tied to that. I'm hoping. Uh, I didn't write it down. I should have. But anyways... Yeah, we got a, a teaser trailer for that. Looks pretty cool. Looks a lot of fun. Um, I know that also... Oh, shit. I'm horrible at remembering shit. But that um, the series that's been uh, on A&E, uh, the Joe Hill series, uh, NOS 482, I think it is, or something like that. Anyways, that's coming to Shudder as well at the end of August. So, um, for those of us who don't have AMC, that's fucking great, because then at least I can watch it now. Um, Although I'm sure I could find AMC other ways. But hey, it is what it is, and it's coming to shutter. I'm kind of glad about that. Uh, speaking of AMC, Walking Dead actually had two announcements at San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, season 10 coming in October. All right, whatever. Um, I kind of dropped off the TV series, whatnot. It's and it's not. I, I, I'm not one of these people that's like trying to be all like you know like oh hey fuck Walking Dead and all that shit. I just I just lost interest. That's all. It's. It, I'm not saying it's a bad show or it's a good show or whatever. I, people are still watching it and let them enjoy things. You know. Um, the one thing that did catch my attention though was they also announced that coming to theaters, Walking Dead, Rick Grimes is returning. Uh, he'll be in his own standalone movie in the theaters. So that's kind of cool. Theater, theater, oh, movies. Um, hey, so here's here. This is pretty fucking cool. So, yeah, uh, you know, Marvel just uh, kicked off a, a fantastic fucking three phases. You know, um, Endgame was fucking amazing, and then they had Far From Home, the Spider-Man film that I still haven't seen, but apparently this is the final period on Phase Three and whatnot. So they start announcing for Phase Four. And, yeah, so Doctor Strange, the, the second Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange 2, which they've, uh, they're have they calling it Multiverse of Madness, is slated to be a, 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 a fucking horror movie. Wait, what? We're doing horror in Marvel? Um, okay, so that kind of... I mean, okay, it, it's PG-13 horror. We know this. It's... Marvel is not going to make a movie that's exclusively R-rated, except for Deadpool, because Deadpool is its own little target audience and whatnot. But Doctor Strange is part of, you know, this... It's it, 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 He was a character in, you know, Infinity War and and Endgame, and, I mean, obviously his, his own first film and whatnot, and they were PG-13 movies. So, yes, Multiverse of Madness is going to be a horror movie at a PG-13 level. That's not a bad thing, though. That's it means we might not get much gore, but hey, we might get something else. There's there's some cool things that can happen with this. I'm okay with this. Um, but then of course there is the new Blade movie coming. 
And the casting, the casting is fucking brilliant. And I didn't even see this coming. Um, and I hope I pronounce his name right. Marshala Ali. Uh, you might know him from Luke Cage. You might know him from Alita Battle Angel. As a matter of fact, he looks a lot like Wesley Snipes. This guy's perfect. I, I never even thought of this casting, but he's our new Blade. He'll be Blade in the MCU. It's part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And if I read correctly, technically Blade will be kicking off Phase 5. So it's not technically part of the uh, new Phase 4 or whatever. I'll be honest with you. I wrote it on the internet somewhere. Phase this, phase that. Who the fuck cares? Just give me movies. Um, <laughs> it gets confusing after a while. Like all this, what's phase one and phase two and phase... Who the fuck cares? Just give me movies. Uh, which is basically what they're doing. And I'm okay with this. Um, there was other shit I saw that Marvel announced. Uh, what was it? The one that caught my attention was WandaVision. So apparently it's going to be a series about Scarlet Witch and Vision on their Disney Plus streaming service. Yeah, in Canada, we'll find ways around that. Uh, but hey, uh, I'm okay with this. I'm not going to lie. I this I, I have no shame in this at all. I have a celebrity crush on Elizabeth Olsen, so anything that has Scarlet Witch in it, I'm in. I, I, I'll watch this shit. I don't care how fucking campy it is. WandaVision, I was like, never saw that coming. And I, I guess it was announced actually a couple months ago, but eh, it went over my head. Uh, but uh, Scarlet Witch is also going to be in the new Doctor Strange movie, so hey, I'm on board with that. Uh, other things that caught my attention from Comic-Con was uh, the Harley Quinn series, which I know... It, it basically feels to me like it's almost like Harley Quinn done in a Brave and the Bold, like Batman Brave and the Bold kind of way-ish. Uh, obviously, it's more adult. they got swearing, you know, adult themes and whatnot. Okay, whatever. Um... It looks campy and goofy, but then again, it's Harley Quinn. It's kind of what have I? It's it's what I expect. So, I'm all good with this. I, it kind of caught my attention. I was like, that might be good. Uh, Red Sun Superman apparently is an animated film coming in 2020. That was announced at Comic Con. Uh, the Watchmen, the HBO series Watchmen, got a trailer release. Uh, Top Gun Maverick. That's seriously, I'm okay with this. It, let's do it. Let's have fun with this movie. Um, we basically saw like uh, Tom Cruise and uh, the Naval Academy guy um, who was originally played by James Tolkien. I don't know if he is in this. It looked like him, but um, that's all they really showed. They didn't show much else, and I was like, all right, I'm okay with this. Um, hearing the nice, you know, the, the, the score from Top Gun was awesome. There was a lot of cool things that were announced this week, uh, or weekend, I should say, Um I'm still, I'm not going to lie. Okay, so this is kind of a personal thing. It's a a comic book related thing. And then I'm going to move on to the next part of this uh, show. But so back in January, it was announced that Batman, the long Halloween was getting the animated treatment. I haven't heard anything since. And I was really hoping we'd get news about that from San Diego Comic-Con. And we didn't. And I'm like, this sucks. Because it's the one, I, I recently watched Batman Hush, which... Not bad. There are a few changes I was kind of like, what? But anyways, Hush and The Long Halloween are two of like my more favorite Batman arcs like from the past and whatnot. But The Long Halloween is probably one of my all-time favorites. I am really wanting this movie, this adaptation. It's supposed to be a two-part adaptation like they did with The Dark Knight Returns. I'm okay with this. As a matter of fact, I would like to see it be... Uh, an adaptation of both The Long Halloween and Dark Victory. Probably won't happen that way. It'll probably be split six, uh, what is it, six months and six months. They'll, you know, they'll split The Long Halloween up because it is a year-long story. But, I mean, whatever. I just want news. I just want to know, is this happening or not? And we didn't get anything, and it was like, that was a fucking bummer. So, that is what it is. Um, In terms of San Diego Comic-Con... I know there's more that I wanted to talk about, but I really got to watch my timing on these things. And not to mention, if you go to the Facebook page, I I was posting a whole bunch this weekend, like just, you know, sharing articles and whatnot. So there's a ton of news on there. Feel free to go check it out at facebook.com slash what lurks behind podcast zero. Yes, I had to plug that. Um, 
Lurker's recommendation, and then I'm going to go into a quick mini-review. So Lurker's recommendation. Last night, I uh, kind of might have dove down into the DC animated films because I went through a comic book burnout. I didn't watch a lot of movies for quite a while and a lot of TV series. I'm so far behind on my TV series like uh, Flash, Arrow. Or not Arrow. Arrow, I'm caught up with. Flash, I'm behind on. Uh, let's see, Legends of Tomorrow I'm behind on. Supergirl, I got through one episode of season three and was like, mm, yeah, I don't even know if I'll watch this. <laughs> um, I, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm behind on. There's so many different comic book shows. I just, I had a burnout and I was like, I'm done. I just, I'll watch the movies at the theaters and that's about it. Well, anyways, I'm kind of getting back into the swing of it and I decided yesterday I was going to watch some DC animated movies. So obviously I watched Hush. You know, that's a new one, and that was one of them I was waiting for. So I'm like, all right, I'll give this a chance. And then I watched Justice League versus The Fatal Five, which was really awesome. And then I watched this one. And this is my Lurker's recommendation of the week because this is a fucking great animated horror film. Constantine, City of Demons, the movie. Dudes, ladies, people, ghouls, fiends, whatever you are out there, watch this fucking movie. This, this movie's fucking good. I mean, for, oh, I, I, and I understand, okay, Constantine City of Demons was a six part, was it six or ten part um, CWC uh, series they had where each week they had like it was a, like a five minute clip and then the next week was another five minutes and blah, 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 blah. Then they did what they did with Vixen and they compiled it all together in one film and added on it. Wow. I was blown away it's it's possession horror it's body horror seriously there's some sweet ass fucking body horror in this fucking movie um it, it I'm, I'm not gonna lie constantine city of demons is better than half of the horror films that are coming out today in theaters like this was a fucking worthwhile movie I believe, like, on my... I, I, I posted on my personal account, it's like, it's a 9 out of 10. Like, this movie's fucking great. So I highly recommend it. Even if you're not a DC fan, or you're not, like, a comic book fan or whatever, still watch it because it is a great horror movie in its own right. Um, I want to move on to something I, I said uh, way back in episode 48. The reason why I was pushing this episode back a bit was because a certain TV series came out. And, like, I, I should say a certain season for a certain TV series was released. And I wanted to review it. I'm not going to spoil a whole lot because I know there are still people that haven't watched it. What the fuck is wrong with you people? But before we do that, I think I need to set the mood. Something like this. Okay, that's a bit better now. Got some background music that fits the mood. Yeah. Stranger Things 3. So, it was released July 4th. And, okay, so, I, I, I believe I've said it on the podcast before. I love season one. And season two, I was not disappointed with. I know there was a lot of people that were like, season two was garbage. I personally loved it. But then season three comes out, and what an improvement over season two. I don't know, for myself personally, I don't know that I, I consider this better than the first season. I think the first season's always going to be my number one, just because I, I remember just sitting down watching that show for the first time and being like, oh, I'll watch one episode, and eight hours later, <laughs> I watched the full fucking thing. Um... So, I don't know. I, I think Stranger Things, like, the, the first season is always going to be that that pinnacle season for me. But season three, god damn, this was a good season. Uh, eight episodes. The eighth episode being, like, the length of a full movie, basically. It was, like, 80 minutes or whatever. Fucking amazing. Um, I'm not going to spoil a whole lot here. I'm not going to talk long about this. Um, but, uh, basically, just a, a few highlights. First off, like... The, the humor the humor was definitely um, well used you know what I mean like it, it was well placed in the season um, Hopper especially was killing me in the first half of the season and then the the exchanges between like um, Robin and Erica and Dustin 
and Steve, and it, it just that foursome. They were like a serious, really good highlight for me. Um, and then, of course, okay, one little spoiler. Uh, well, kind of never-ending story. Anyone? Holy fuck! Like that came out of nowhere, and I was just—I remember just watching it for the first time, going, "What the fuck just happened?" And it was—it was fucking hilarious. I don't know. It, the the characters themselves, like there was a few new additions this uh, season. Uh, primarily Robin. Uh, Erica is new ish because she was very very she was used very little in season two but she was there and in season three obviously they brought in robin uh robin who is played by maya hawk who is ethan hawks and uma uma thurman's daughter and i didn't realize that at the beginning like i I, much like everyone else out there i found this out after and i was like oh it kind of makes sense like after i saw it i'm thinking she does look a bit like Uma Thurman. I see it now. Like, but uh, she she was a fun character. I liked her. I loved Erica. Um, Murray Bowman. <laughs> the, the the thing with Murray Bowman was, and we saw him in season two and his interactions with Nancy and Jonathan, and he does it again this season with Hopper and Joyce. It worked. But it it felt like it was something we've already seen before, so I was like, eh, okay. He was fun though. He was interesting. Alexi, Alexi, everyone's favorite Russian. Yes, I know it was pointed out to me that Ivan Drago is actually everyone's favorite Russian, but whatever. Uh, piss off. Alexi was awesome. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Also, after all these years, I still think Winona Ryder is quite hot. I'm just gonna say. Uh, but um. I was I was really impressed with this season. Uh, a lot more gore, a lot more horror aspects. Uh, the Mind Flayer looked a lot better this season, obviously, um, given it corporeal form and whatnot. These are not these things are nothing. I, I'm not spoiling anything for you. If you saw the trailers, you you know what's there. I am going to say this though. Uh, just in summing this up, I don't, I, like I said, I really don't want to talk too long about Stranger Things. I am going to say it's my second Lurker's recommendation for the week. If you haven't watched it yet, do it. But So there's an end credit scene at the end of the eighth episode. And here's my thinking on this, okay? So this can go many ways. But I'm kind of of two minds. It's either too easy to assume that Spoiler is the American they're talking about. Or, because it's that easy to assume that Spoiler is the American they're talking about, it actually is him. Or her. Or it. Or whatever. But, no, you get my point. The thing is, is that I was like, when when the end credit scene happens and there's the mention of the American, I'm like, huh, okay, like, is this, is it too easy to assume it's who we think it is? Because... I don't know, like, and it's, it's, it's almost shitty what they did, but I mean, it's awesome in the fact that the Duffer brothers kind of threw that in there and then it's like, okay, we'll see you in a year. And it's like, fuck you. Um, which by the way, at Comic-Con, it was announced, uh, season four, I believe starts getting filmed in October of this year. So that's kind of cool. I'm hoping that season four takes place at Halloween. I think, I don't know, I think it's fitting that it takes place at Halloween, but I don't know, we'll see what happens. Uh, And I know that they've said with the way season three ends, this opens up a lot of doors to do a lot more different things for the future. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't know, I I was was, very impressed by the third season. I think it was... Very well done. There's something I'd like to point out for everybody who bitched about season two. Keep in mind, season three is that much more fun because of the the character development we got in season two. I know there was a lot of people that complained, about, especially about that one episode where Eleven went into like went you know ran away and went to Chicago and whatnot. But you don't get a season three without the character development in seasons one and two. So. 
as much as yes, season two was disappointing to a lot of people, but keep in mind it's a piece in the puzzle. It's a piece of the story. Um, it's kind of like Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back on its own, yes, it's a great movie. Especially if you know the first part and the third part. But if you don't have those stories surrounding it, Empire Strikes Back is not a complete story. And it's not the best movie then. It's the best for most of us Star Wars fans because there's some awesome shit in it. But again, we had the backstory from Star Wars and we know what happens in Return of the Jedi. So it's just one of those things where it's like, yes, season two, disappointing maybe. To a lot of people, yes, I wasn't one of them, but keep in mind, it's a piece in the puzzle. It's it's a part of the story, and it paid off a little bit in season three. So that's that. That's uh, that's my sum up on that. I did say uh, last episode I was going to do a review on Stranger Things. Tried to keep the spoilers to a minimum, guys, but honestly... I really wish I didn't have to, but I know there's still some people who just haven't gotten to it. And I get it. Life happens, man. Like, I mean, seriously, here I am talking about DC movies that were released six months ago. So, I mean, I get it. It happens. But now let's move on to this week's movie review. It's a listener request. And probably a good thing it was because I don't know that I would have reviewed this any other way. Um... From 1976, uh, starring everyone's favorite weirdo from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s, um, David Bowie is in this movie. And no, it's not Labyrinth. If it was Labyrinth, trust me, Labyrinth is getting reviewed one day on this show, but it won't be today. No, instead we're going to do a movie from 1976 known as The Man Who Fell to Earth. Have you seen this thing? Uh, I hope you have, but if you haven't, maybe stop now, go and try and find it, which is part of the reason why this episode kind of got pushed back an extra week. I'll explain that after the break, but yeah, uh, go watch it and then come back unless you don't mind spoilers. Cause I'm going to spoil some shit, but first let's, let's do what we always do. Let's do the trailer break and then we'll come back and we'll. Talk some man who fell to earth. Back in a moment. Are you the... The first? The first what? Visitor? I've always been visited. Nothing you have seen or heard about David Bowie will prepare you for the impact of his first dramatic performance in The Man Who Fell to Earth. This is another dimension of David Bowie, one of the few true originals of our time. You're really a freak. I don't mean that unkindly. I like freaks. Is this a weapon? A weapon? It's too small for interplanetary travel. Assume that it's a weapon. If I stay here, I shall die. What do you mean? Take me with you. I'll see you don't die. I can't stay. You're an alien! I think you know... You know too much about me. Where are you taking me? He's just like everybody else. He's, he's, he's a fake. Please don't. You don't understand. You might be able to save him. Mary Lou. Save him? Help me. From what? No! No! Tell me I love you. fell to earth is a powerful love story, a cosmic mystery, a spectacular fantasy, a shocking, mind-stretching experience in sight, in space, and sex. 
Okay, kids. It's time to sit around and let little Uncle Postmortem Paul tell you a story. A story of a movie that was so fucking hard to find, I had to push this episode back a week. So here's the thing. When it was requested way back in the day by uh, Aaron Lusher for me to do The Man Who Fell to Earth, I thought this would be no problem because it was on Shudder. Shudder had it and Tubi TV had it. I was like, all right, well, this is, yeah, I'll do it. Why not? And then I go to watch the movie so I can start writing my notes down about the movie and whatnot. And, oh, hey, it is not on either streaming service anymore. So I'm like, hmm, all right, well, this is the internet. There are ways to find this movie. Oh, <laughs> right. Uh, it was a lot harder than I expected. So it got pushed back a bit. I did end up getting a copy of the movie. I was able to watch it. I had to watch it twice. I'll explain that in a bit. But I got it. And all right, this, uh, this movie, I'll be honest with you right now. I had never seen this movie prior to it being requested. I was kind of glad. Thank you, Aaron, for requesting it. I've now seen this movie. I'd never seen this before. And (laughs) there might be a reason for that, but no. Uh, David Bowie is an iconic person. Everyone knows who David Bowie is. I don't have to introduce David Bowie to you. You know who Bowie is. This was one of his, if not his first acting role, I believe. I mean, okay, if you go on his IMDb, it's fucking wild. They got, like, acting credits, like, 163, but almost all of them are his music videos. So I'm like, that doesn't count. (laughs) Well, actually, no, it does, because if you've seen his videos, you know he's acting. But he's uh, only been in a few movies, so it is what it is. Um, Let's get right into this, though. The Man Who Fell to Earth. Again, I'm saying it one last time. It was a listener request by listener Aaron Lucier, and... I know she had to wait a bit for this, but here it is now. The movie, the movie's release date, and I believe it was like March 18th, actually, originally, in the uh, UK. But I went with the North American release date, which was May 28th, 1976. It was first seen in New York City. Go figure. I think almost every movie has either its premiere in New York or L.A. It's like, it's just common knowledge. The odd time you get Chicago or Detroit, but most of the time it's New York City. This one got its uh, North American premiere was in New York City. It's directed by a director of the name of Nicholas Rogue. And you might know him from the, uh, I think it was 1971 I'm probably wrong on this, but he did the movie Don't Look Now. He also did the movie The Witches from 1990, and I know almost all of us horror nerds have seen that movie. And for what's supposed to be a kid's movie, it's kind of fucking creepy. It's a good movie. Um, And definitely, in my opinion, I'm going to say this right now, The Witches, I would prefer over this movie. But, again, it is what it is. Uh, the Man Who Fell to Earth was written by Paul Mayersberg, based on a novel by Walter Trevis. It was produced by Michael Dealey and Barry Springs, I think his name was. I have a... Fuck, I have a goddamn typing error here, so I can't remember what his fucking name is. No, actually, it was Barry Spikings, I believe is his name, not Springs. Anyways, whatever. Uh, the music, because who cares about producers? Um, well, okay, never mind. Uh, shut up, Paul, you're being stupid. Um, the music is done by John Phillips. You know that name? You might. He was one of the members of the Mamas and the Papas. You definitely can feel that during this movie. So, okay. Uh, without babbling too much, your cast. And I'm doing this a little bit differently. In the past, uh, when I've done cast, I, I seem to run through a lot of cast members and whatnot. And I'm now narrowing it down to basically just the ones you need to know. So I think here I have like five or six and that's it. Uh, just so that I'm not you know, going on and on and on talking about shit like this. The cast, well, do I have to say it? Yes, I'll say it anyways... David Bowie. Um, yeah, okay, that was horrible. Uh, David Bowie plays Thomas Jerome Newton, a.k.a. he's also the alien. Um, 
You would know David Bowie from Labyrinth or The Hunger, though. Uh, those are his two more finer roles, in my opinion. Although, in this movie, not going to spoil a lot until I get to it, but he's not bad in this movie. Um, okay, moving on. Rip Torn. Rip Torn uh, plays the character of Nathan Bryce. Nathan Bryce is like a, a university professor in this film. Uh, you would know Rip Torn from Men in Black, Robocop 3, Summer Rental, A Stranger is Watching, Dolly Dearest. Uh, however, I did want to mention uh, that he did recently pass away. Um, as a matter of fact, it was only a couple days after my last episode released. On July 9th of 2019, he passed away at the age of 88. So in a small little way, this is kind of an episode that will remember Rip Torn as well. Um, both he and David Bowie are no longer with us, so it kind of sucks. <laughs> All of a sudden, this went really morbid. Um, moving on, though, let's keep within the, the flow of the show. Uh, Candy Clark. Name sound familiar? It should, uh, if you remember last episode. Anyways, Candy Clark plays the role of Mary Lou. Uh, she's also been in movies like Van, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I almost called it Vampire Buffy the Slayer. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She was in The Blob, the remake from 1988. She was in Stephen King's Cat's Eye, American Graffiti, and as previously reported on this show, she was also the dubbed-in voice for Stella Starr in Star Crash. Carolyn Monroe's character. Candy Clark was the voice. Um, moving on. Buck Henry. Buck Henry. I always like that name, Buck. I don't know why. I just do. Uh, Buck Henry as Oliver Farnsworth. Uh, Buck did a lot of TV work. He was uh, he was in the movie Grumpy Old Men. Uh, yeah, I believe he was in a few other films. But a lot of his work that I recognized was uh, TV work. Uh, Shows like Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Falcon Crest, Murphy Brown. Uh, he was in an episode of Tales from the Crypt. Uh, Eek the Cat, Will and Grace, 30 Rock. So, he, like I said, he did a lot of TV work. Same with um, our next cast member. Did a lot of TV, but he did a lot of movies. So I wrote more of his movie credits down. Bernie Casey as Peters. He was the detective. Um so he was in the, well, it, it was a TV movie, but now you can get it like on VHS and DVD and whatnot. Uh, the movie Brian's Song, which was about um, Brian Piccolo, the Chicago Bears. I would know this because I'm a Bears fan. Um, but <laughs> no, um, he was also in uh, Revenge of the Nerds, and I believe he was in the subsequent sequels as well. He's in the movie Spies Like Us, Steel Justice, if you remember that thing. Uh, Rent-A-Cop, I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, uh, another 48 hours, and within the horror realm, he was in the movie In the Mouth of Madness. Um, you'd know him if you saw him, for sure. So that's it for the cast. I mean, there was a lot of other cast members, but really don't stand out a whole lot. I might add that Candy Clark, she also plays um, the alien wife to David Bowie, like uh, when they're showing the flashbacks of, uh, of um, Thomas's like old home and whatnot, like his home planet there. They, when they show that, um, she played the wife. Okay. All that just to say she played the fucking wife. Jesus. I, I'm working on being a better podcaster. Okay, guys. Okay. Deal with me, please. Thank you. All right, cool. Moving on. The movie's budget was 1.5 million and a million of that must've gone to seeing Bowie's penis. Okay, more on that in a bit. No, uh, but I did read somewhere, though, that apparently the American uh, gross profit on this film was like $100,000. Granted, keep in mind, it didn't have a big theatrical release and was primarily seen in New York City. So, okay. The runtime on the film, the, the version I watched was two hours and 19 minutes for the Criterion Collection release. Now, the U.S. theatrical release was a little bit different. There was 20 minutes cut from the film, and some of the scenes were rearranged, different camera angles and whatnot. There is a scene in the movie I'll talk a bit more about in a bit, but uh, there's a, a quote-unquote a gun sex scene. Uh, that was removed 
completely from the film. The, that whole sequence is taken right out of the movie. And then, um, like I said, they rearranged some scenes and whatnot. So the U.S. The- theatrical version is a lot different than the one I watched. Because this is my first time ever watching it, I haven't seen that theatrical version. So I don't know. I've read how bad apparently it was, um, which is why for the DVD release and the cable release and whatnot, they went with the original, but is what it is. Time to move on to synopsis time. All right, so I've been having fun with the synopsises lately. I'm going to see if I can continue that path, uh, you know, trying to bring a little bit of pizzazz to them. But I do admit that sometimes my reading is not the greatest. This is why I... When I write notes, every just so you guys know, in case you're ever wondering, which probably not, but when I do podcasts, I like to have notes. I like to have a sort of a guide when I do things. I do a lot of things in point form because if I wrote full sentences, I try and read the full sentences, which really fucks me up because I'm really good at reading, but not reading and saying what I'm reading. I know it sounds fucking retarded, but pardon the expression. I know some of you, some of you guys get mad about that word retarded. Um, I grew up in an era where it didn't mean what it apparently means. Um, so when I say it, I'm not saying it to you know bash anyone or anything. It's pretty bad that I have to put these kinds of disclaimers and warnings and you know, you know, apologies and whatnot. But this is apparently the world we live in. Everyone gets offended. Moving on to the synopsis because I'm tired of this serious shit. So the synopsis for the man who fell to earth. An alien who adopts the name Thomas Jerome Newton arrives on Earth and quickly sets about creating enough wealth to allow him to return to his own world. His home world is portrayed as a vast, arid land where water is at a premium. With the help of a patent lawyer, Oliver Farnsworth, who later becomes the CEO of Newton's holding company, World Enterprises, he has a number of original patents that will make him very rich. Along the way, he meets a number of interesting characters, including Mary Lou, who falls in love with him, and Nathan Bryce, who will work for him. The question, of course, is whether Newton will ever get to return home. All right, so that's the synopsis. Man, I didn't fuck it up, so yay me! Woo! All right, so what to say about this fucking movie? I will start off by saying this. It is not a movie for everyone. Okay? The storytelling in this film is not linear. It is not a straightforward story. This is a series of scenes and shots, flashbacks, present time moments, all cut and paste together to tell the story of how this alien comes to America and gets caught up in all of America's excesses which include business excesses, love, and addiction. And addiction is more alcoholic than it is drug-related, but hey, it is what it is. So, but the thing is, is you have to understand something here. With this movie, it's it's kind of like you have to take it as a whole from the beginning to the end And just keep watching. The problem with the film is that one, it is too long. This movie could have easily shaved off 30 to 40 minutes and still have been just as good a movie. It it drags on. And after a while, you'll find yourself becoming bored with the film. It's not that it's a bad movie. As a matter of fact, this is a very intelligent movie. But the problem is, is it's almost too intelligent for its own good. And you really have to pay attention. But when you have a movie that goes on for two hours and 20 minutes, what happens? If you have to pay attention that long, you start to get tired. Now, there are there's don't get me wrong. There's a lot of pluses to this movie. There's a lot of positives. Number one, David Bowie. David Bowie is great in this movie. He for uh, like I said, I believe this was like his acting debut for his acting debut. He's fucking awesome. There are times when it's just like. You were watching like a class A performance. But at the same time, and I've said this before with other actors, he's also kind of playing himself though. So 
as unique and as awesome as like as awesome as that is, sure you're like this is fucking fun to watch, but at the same time, we're watching Bowie be Bowie. He's not being Thomas Newton. He's being Bowie. It's kind of like if Marilyn Manson's playing in a film that required him to be a rock star antichrist. You know what I mean? Like he's doing what we are used to him doing. Or, you know, Jack Nicholson playing the Joker, but he played it as Jack Nicholson. You know what I mean? Like, and I know, don't get me wrong. I I know I say that a lot and people will be like, well, he's still one of the best Jokers. He is. I'm not saying he's not one of the best, but he was playing himself as well. And that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at with Bowie. Bowie is amazing in this fucking movie. He's a lot of fun to watch, but he's Bowie being Bowie. Um, that said, though, he like I said, he's an extreme highlight in this film. But as much as he's a highlight, it he can't help this movie from feeling like it's too long. Unless you want to wait for the fucking ending to this film so you get to see what his pee-pee looks like. Yeah, Do- Doey's. Uh, David Bowie's penis is probably one of the most talked about things that I've seen when reading like user reviews and whatnot on this movie. Everyone has to make a point of, oh, we got to see David, David Bowie's dick. Well, all right, that's great. Um, I don't know. Bowie did say he's glad he made this movie. He did say that. Uh, there was an interview, though, with Kurt Loder. He did it in 1983, and I thought this was funny when I was reading it. It was, it was he was quoted as saying like he he was really glad he made the movie, but he never knew what he was actually making. He he never knew what what the movie was supposed to be about. And trust me, after watching this, I can understand how he felt that. It. it <sighs> It's not that, again, I got to highlight this. It's not a bad movie. It's just, it's one of those things where you have to watch it from front to end and then try and figure it out. Um, But the thing is, is that at at the same time, some of the themes are very prominent right at the beginning. The problem is they never build on them later. Like the whole idea of like, you know, what America is like, how everything is like through capitalism and, you know, like how like sex, uh, sex sells and stuff like that. Okay, it's all there within the first half hour, but then it never builds on it. And that's another point to the film that's kind of a downplay to it. Like, it's, you know, a detracting factor. I also do want to highlight, though, two of the other actors in this. Uh, Candy Clark is Mary Lou. She is wonderful. Very cute and fun. Um, there is, there's a time in the film where she's a bit excessive. I find, I found her acting to be a little over the top um, when she's like, She's like pining and begging for Thomas to stay with her. She's like, I don't want Thomas to leave and this and that. She she really kind of overdoes it. But overall, she wasn't bad in this film. Her her performance is definitely one uh, another of the good points to this movie. Uh, Rip Torn as well. <laughs> Rip Torn, no. Uh, from early on in the film, he has a very strange scene. Um He's playing Nathan Bryce. Okay, so Nathan Bryce is the professor who likes to apparently bang his younger students. Uh, But a little rough, I might add. So there's this one scene. It's really early on. Uh, He's he's in his office and his home or whatever, and he's, like, you know, grading papers and whatnot. And one of his, you know, better-looking students kind of walks in and says, oh, how did I do? And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. And she takes, like her shirt and puts it over his head and starts making it look like she's going to strangle him to death. So when this starts, you at first are thinking, Oh shit, murder scene. No, this is a sex scene, (laughs) a very rough sex scene. I might add, um, which also lets you know pretty early on in this film, there will be nudity in this film. Um, but the sex scene between him and the co-ed just gets like super rough. They're like knocking shit over and everything. Uh, kind of cool in a way that this movie was also ahead of its time. And the fact that during this sex scene, the co-ed keeps taking pictures, but it's almost like it was like a digital camera because the film inside, when she pulls the film out already has all the photos, um, like already developed on the film. So it was kind of like a pretense to what digital cameras would be. 
Um, just you have to get through this really wild sex scene that you're like, what in the fuck am I watching? And I, it, there's a blatant blooper as well. But then again, you almost wonder, is this intentional because of the fact that this show, like this movie is not linear, but the co-ed like takes her bra off and throws it to the floor. And then like two seconds later, they show her on top of him and the bra is back on. So <laughs> it's like, hmm, what is the thing alive? Is it an alien? Did it crawl back on you? Like I, it's funny little things like that you notice um but yeah it's it's weird like and i mean like this hits you i think within like the first 10 minutes of the movie first 20 minutes so you start to realize oh i'm in for this kind of a movie okay um the flashback scenes where we see thomas's home planet uh, definitely filmed in a you know a desert area i believe part of this film was filmed in arizona so that makes sense However, they're, the scenes are kind of boring. I get that it's supposed to show the whole story of the lack of water and it's supposed to show that his family is dying and whatnot. But they kind of seem boring. There's no dialogue used whatsoever. So it's just merely images on the screen, which is also something that is very adventurous with this film, but at the same time can almost hurt the film is the fact that there is a lot of points in the film where it's like for minutes there's no dialogue and it's all just visuals almost like you're watching a music video um which speaking of the music john phillips his music is actually a great high point for the film um it's very 70 ish um or like you know that classic era of the 60s and 70s you can feel it um knowing that he was from the mamas and the papas uh it, it when I heard the music, I was like, okay, I hear the influence, definitely. It does fit the movie very nicely. Um, in terms of the cinematography, the shots, there are some shots that are just filmed in this movie that are just breathtaking. But, okay, so the thing is, the thing is with this movie, this movie is meant to be an intelligent science fiction movie. In many ways, it is. But I can't help but stress, it becomes boring fast. Now, I mentioned that it took me two times of watching this film to, you know, to properly do this review. And the reason why is because I fell asleep the first time. Now, granted, I keep in mind, I, I have a tendency to watch movies, you know, at two in the morning. So I get it. The odd time I will get tired. But you really need to be in the right state of mind to watch this. The performances are great. The idea of America's excesses ruining someone's drive and mission. It, it, it's a great point to make. But the runtime of the movie makes it hard to keep it engaged. The fact that the film is not filmed very linear. You, you really have to pay attention. It makes it hard. Granted, you, if you're in the right state of mind to watch this, you will love this movie. It is not a bad movie. Um, it just seems like the story drags on and it seems like once it made its points, like the idea of that, you know, it's going to show how America is going to ruin this alien and how, you know, love, sex and death and everything. And all all the things that it's going to, to bring to the forefront all happen within the first 30 minutes. And then it's just like, it just keeps going and going and going. Um, there's some really cool, weird shit, but I mean, and then, of course, like, okay, for me, this isn't a big deal. But for some people, it's a very big deal. All the sex and nudity um, becomes very offensive to the audience. Uh, for some people, anyways. Uh, and it can push people away. Now, some, so I was reading quite a few reviews where people were saying this film went on as far as to become pornographic. That's a bit much. Uh, there's a lot of nudity. I'm not going to lie. There is definitely some sex scenes. I'm not going to lie about that either. But no penetration is ever actually seen, and it's a lot of frontal nudity for both sexes. Uh, specifically, you know, obviously, like I mentioned, we see you know Bo- Bowie's pecker is part of it, and I mean, like whatever. Game of Thrones had worse sex scenes than this had, so. And I, I keep in mind that like a lot of the reviews I read came out in the seventies, and you know there was reviews from the eighties and nineties and whatnot. So I get it. We didn't have Game of Thrones back then. That's cool. I get it. But I just felt that like calling it pornographic. I'm like eh, that's a bit much. So IMDb gives this movie a six point seven out of ten. Rotten Tomatoes has it at eighty three percent approval rating based on fifty eight reviews. Metacritic reports this at an 81 out of 100, and they give it a universal acclaim. 
Ebert was the interesting one because he has two ratings, apparently. <laughs> Originally, when he saw it, he's, he gave it two point, you know, two and a half stars out of, out of four, 2.5 out of four, whatever. But then when the movie was re-released in 2011, he gave it three out of four stars. So he apparently liked it better the second time around. And his partner there, Siskel, he gave it a three out of four stars. Now, the podcast zero rating for this film. Where do I put this film? I personally feel this is a six out of ten. Um, it's a great idea. Like I say, very fun to watch Bowie work his bizarre workings into this movie. Like he, he Bowie is fun to watch. But this movie does drag on. The dragging on of the film is what really knocked quite a few points off this for me. Because I mean, like, the ideas and the themes are very prominent they're still even prominent today like they're very relevant so it's not that it wasn't the themes or the story was not the problem for me it's just that it seems like it drags on i don't hate this movie by far i don't hate it but for me this is the kind of movie now like if i was ever going to watch this again it'd be like a background filler movie that i'd be doing other things popping in and out for certain scenes while you know other scenes i'd be like all right well i'll be back in a bit that's how I view this kind of movie. Um, it's a 6 out of 10 for me. Again, not not saying I hate it, but it was. It took two viewings to actually get through, and I can't see myself returning to it very often. I do appreciate the approach the director took with it. I appreciate the approach that all the actors brought to it. But honestly, if you're not in for a cerebral kind of viewing where you have to pay very close attention and you just want a popcorn killer movie, this is not the one to come to. But that's that. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Aaron, for requesting this uh, movie. It w- I'm not going to lie. It was, it was awesome to watch because I can now say I've seen it. Um, and unfortunately Shudder and Tubi really made it a lot harder for me to find it but I did find it eventually I got a copy of it and was able to enjoy it for what it is and review it and you all tuned in so thank you very much for listening to the show I think on that note though we're going to just call it quits I'm going to tell you where you can find the show where you can find everything on the social media, announce the next episode, and then close out with, well, typically some David Bowie. I wouldn't do this any other way. But where to find the show? So, if you haven't already figured this part out, which I kind of wonder why sometimes I do this, but whatever. It is what it is. Where to find the show? iTunes, Google, Spotify, or... The Next Level Network. Yes, you can find this show at thenextlevelnetwork.com slash podcast zero. Next Level Network of Podcasts, home of all great podcasts. There's a lot of great ones on there. Um, preferably, if you're really into San Diego Comic-Con, tune into DC Primetime this week because Rob and Ben went through a full rundown of San Diego Comic-Con. So they have a lot on there that you might be interested in checking out. Um, you can also find the podcast at whatlurksbehindpodcastzero.com. Uh, you can email me at whatlurksbehindpodcastzero at gmail.com on the social meds, the social media, facebook.com slash whatlurksbehindpodcastzero, Instagram at whatlurksbehindpodcastzero, on Twitter at WLBpodcast underscore zero, and if you're interested in any memorabilia or swag, you know, some cool shirts or stickers or whatever, Go to redbubble.com slash people slash podcast zero and check some shit out, man. I don't charge much for this shit. Like, I didn't mark anything up. It's all the, you know, you got, I'll probably get like a dollar worth out of like whatever. So, you know, I keep the, the, the prices cheap so you can enjoy it and you can afford it and whatnot. So go, hey, take a look. And on that note, y'all want to know what the 50th episode is going to be? So... Originally, when I was coming up with the idea for episodes, I was like, eh, I want to do something really special. And then I was like, you know what? No. I want to do something really special for the 100th episode. The 50th is kind of just like the halfway point to there. So I just, I was looking around and I'm like, eh, what do I want to do? And I had this, this episode was planned like months ago. It was pretty much planned before the last drive-in 
like ended season one which what did they end season one on well <laughs> ironically it was the same movie i picked to mark the 50th for the 50th episode of what lurks behind podcast zero i'll be doing none other than the film from 1987 a sequel that really didn't work as a sequel but was an awesome fun movie nonetheless hello mary lou prom night 2 and on that note now that you know that now that you've listened to this full episode and i've babbled your fucking ears off it's time to just close out with someone who has a way better voice than me mr david bowie yes this week we're going to close out with what I thought was pretty much the most obvious song to play at the end of this being he's playing an alien in, you know, this movie and whatnot. We're going to close out with Starman by David Bowie. And again, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, next episode will be the 50th. Uh, Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. And after that, I hopefully most of you saw the posts on Instagram and Facebook. I have a lot of listener requests coming up. I think I have got like another like four or five to go so there's a I, i'm glad people are giving me ideas you know keep pumping them in because i have no problem reviewing a movie as long as it's not a serbian film so on that note it's time to go out david bowie Starman, and thank you all for tuning in back at you later